We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Well, here we are on the uh, second day of Pesach, which in uh, America, outside the land of Israel, is the second day of Yontif. Uh, And uh, it always, at least for some of us, uh, brings up the question of why it is that we observe a uh, second day of Yantif, a second day of Yom Tov uh, in, uh, in the diaspora. This is an institution that, uh, that the that traditional Jews have observed uh, for centuries. Uh, it's uh, known as Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galiot, uh, the uh, second day of a festival uh, to be observed in the diaspora, or actually the more technical uh, definition of uh, Galiot is exile, and it comes from uh, an ancient practice uh, in which uh, the calendar was determined uh, on a monthly basis based on the testimony of witnesses, and uh, witnesses would, uh, uh, would approach the court saying, I saw the new moon, or I saw the, uh, uh, the beginnings of the new moon. The court would investigate and interrogate the witnesses, uh, determine whether or not the, it was truly the new month, uh, and then when they would declare Rosh Chodesh, they would declare the new month, and uh, then spread the word uh, to uh, to the Jewish community everywhere. Uh, the, they would spread the word by word of mouth, and also by a series of a system of beacons uh, that uh, were lit. If you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, uh, I think it's Return of the King, the third Lord of the Rings movie, you see this system of beacons uh, sending messages. That's sort of what it was like. From mountaintop to mountaintop, they would light uh, torches so that uh, so that there were some problems with that if you lived in kind of a far-flung region. So the court sat in Jerusalem uh, and later in, in other places in the land of Israel is where the court sat. Uh, but if you lived in a far-flung area, remote area of the land of Israel, or even more so if you lived outside the land of Israel, it would take uh, possibly quite some time for the news of the new month to get to you. And there was also always the risk or the fear that people who had a beef with the Jews would try to have a little bit of fun with, uh, with Jewish communities and light their own beacons so as to uh, confuse the far-flung Jewish communities about when was actually Rosh Chodesh. So uh, in response to this, the rabbinic tradition enacts Yom Tov Sheni Shalgaliot, uh, second day of Yom Tov, in the chance that the day that we're confused about the days, that we might that yesterday may have been the 15th of Nisan, or today might have been the 15th of Nisan, and we, generally speaking, uh, approach biblical laws with a degree of caution. The idea uh, in rabbinic literature is seka deoraita lechumra, 
something that we're doubtful about from a biblical law, we should be uh, more strict about. We should be stricter about. And we also have a principle that uh, we, uh, we can add uh, holy time onto secular time, but not the other way around. We can't add secular time onto holy time or subtract from holy time by adding secular time. That's why, for example, on Shabbat, we light candles beginning at sunset, but we don't end Shabbat until it's dark out, uh, because we're not sure when the next day should really start. Should it start at sunset, or should it start at nightfall? But we always add, we're always okay adding sacred time to secular time, but not the other way around. And we want to be strict about the possibility of violating a biblical commandment. So we start Shabbat on the, at the earliest time possible, and we end Shabbat at the latest time possible, just to be on the safe side. That's the same principle at play in Yom Tov Sheni Shel Galiot, in this uh, second day of the festival for diaspora communities. Now, there are people who today say we've had a, a, a fixed calendar for a long time. We no longer... Uh, uh, we no longer determine the new month based on the testimony of witnesses and based on uh, the decision of a court in Jerusalem. We no longer spread the message far and wide. Hello. Uh, spread the message far and wide about um, about I'm actually in the middle of talking. Okay, so can I give you a hug and go uh, put you down, okay? I'll see you in a minute. Okay. Hug breaks are good. Where was I? Ah, we no longer determine the uh, the new month based on the testimony of witnesses, the determination of the court. We no longer have a system of beacons to spread out the news. We we follow the same calendar as Jews in the land of Israel. We know when the 15th of Nisan is, just as well as they do. Why we still observe a second day of, uh, of, of, uh, of Yom Tov for uh, us in the diaspora community. It's a, it's a reasonable question. I'm not going to answer that question today, but I want to pose an additional one. So last night at the Seder, uh, if you uh, followed the traditional Haggadah, if you observe traditional practice, being the second night of Passover, we did something that's alluded to, that was alluded to in uh, our Torah reading this morning. We started Sirat HaOmer. We started counting the Omer. Okay, it says in uh, the Torah, Usfartem lachem mimokorat ha-Shabbat, Sheva Shabbatot Right, you should start counting uh, from the mimokorat uh, shabbat the day after Yom, Yom Tov, right? So, Last night, theoretically, is the day after, uh, at night is the day after the first Yom Tov of Passover, so we start counting then. But wait a minute, you might ask, if we're not certain, if we're not certain if yesterday was Yom Tov of Passover, or today is Yom Tov of Passover, why we start counting the Omer last night? Or, maybe we should start counting the Omer last night and tonight, and say, last night maybe is one, and tonight maybe is one. Or maybe it's two. And for each day subsequently, we should, maybe, we should count, today is the first day, or maybe the second day of the Omer. Right? And tomorrow, today is the second day, maybe the third day of the Omer. The next day, today is the third day, maybe the fourth day of the Omer. We don't count like that, though. Each day, we count uh, with a degree of certainty. That today is the first day, tomorrow is the second day, and so on and so forth. 
So how do we explain the fact that we are inconsistent with the practice of, uh, of Yom Tov Sheni, of this uh, uncertainty about the calendar when it comes to counting the Omer? So a uh, Hasidic master uh, who wrote a book called the Devar Abraham asks this question. Why don't we count uh, in outside the land of the Israel uh, two countings each day? Because we're doubtful about the day like we are for every other Yom Tov. So the reasoning is because a doubtful count cannot be called a counting. A doubtful counting cannot be called a counting. In other words, if we were to count, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, that doesn't count as counting the day. Because by very definition of counting something, you need to be certain. You're one person, you're two people, you're three people. I have, right, we've all watched Sesame Street, we know the counts. I have one Torah, two Torahs, three Torahs, four Torahs. I can't say maybe I have one or two Torahs, maybe I have two or three Torahs. Maybe. That's not counting, that's estimating, right? So we, if we're going to say we're counting the Omer, we need to actually count the Omer. Gadar Hasfira Hu The essence of the counting is knowing which day it is. And to be clear in our minds, exceptionally clear in our minds, that this is the actual counting of the day. And then he goes on. He says, So through this we can clarify. Uh, the, uh, the, the teaching of the Magin Avraham, who was uh, uh, one of the commentators on the Shulchan Aruch, the influential law code. And he says, So if you count the day of the Omer in Hebrew, but you don't know Hebrew, you haven't fulfilled your obligation. You need to know what day you're counting when you're counting it. So you can't just rely on, well, I'm going to you know, read the transliteration because it's a sacred thing that I'm doing. I'm doing a mitzvah. I should do it in a mitzvah language. But if you don't know Hebrew, you shouldn't count the Omer in Hebrew because then you haven't counted. Counting requires knowledge of what you're counting. It goes on to say, So they challenged him, the Magin Avraham. So why is it different to count the Omer in, uh, in, in Hebrew, if you don't speak Hebrew, from doing all these other blessings and things like that that we're supposed to do in Hebrew, even if you don't understand them? And the answer, Right? In those other things, you're, uh, you fulfilled your obligation, even if you don't understand them. This is the difference. Shem ha-mitzvah hi ha-kriya, ha-amira. In those instances, the name of the game, the essence of the mitzvah, is the recitation of those things. The kan ha-ikar ha But here, for counting the Omer, the essence is the actual counting. She'inyana yediya ubirur. That its essence is that we should know what we're doing and to be clear about it.
the reason we don't do a doubtful counting or the cover our bases kind of counting that we do uh, uh, in observance of second day of exile for diaspora communities, a second day of Yom Tov for diaspora communities, is because you need to be certain about the counting. Now, I still am left with a question about it because even though we might want to think that we are certain about the counting, we perhaps don't know whether or not, we still don't know whether or not the day that we're counting is the right day or not. So why is it something specific about counting the Omer, other than the fact that we need to know the number when we're counting, otherwise it's not really counting, what is it about Sfirat to Omer, about counting the Omer, that requires that kind of certainty, or at least the perception of certainty? And in this, I think, it's important to remember what the counting of the Omer is meant to symbolize, what we're doing when we're counting the Omer. And what we're doing when we're counting the Omer is tracing our steps from Egypt to Sinai, from redemption to the receiving of the Torah. And the essence of receiving the Torah is in the doing of the thing. In other words, uh, our tradition says over and over again, in the words of the Talmud, would that the children of Israel not believe in me, says God, but would keep Shabbat or fulfill my commandments. The essence of the Torah, the essence of our tradition is in the performance of mitzvot. Not in what we think, although there are important things that we're encouraged to think. Not in what we believe, although there are important things that we're encouraged to believe. But in the doing itself. In this, I think that uh, I understand atheists a lot better than agnostics. Because atheists say, there is no God, and so therefore, I'm going to live my life however I want, according to my own moral compass. Theists, or believers, say the opposite. I believe there is a God, and so therefore I'm going to live my life in the way that I believe has been dictated to me by that God. It behooves me to act in a way in accordance with my beliefs. But agnostics are a strange breed, because theoretically they say, and I actually might consider myself in the camp of agnostic in the sense of who knows whether, who knows the certainty whether or not there's a God, right? So agnostics might say that I don't know if there's a God or not. But I don't know how many agnostics you've met in your life, and I meet quite a few. Functionally speaking, most agnostics, I would venture to bet, live as atheists, right? In other words, theoretically, they entertain the possibility that there might be a God, but live as if there is none, live according to their own dictates, their own moral compass. And here, I think, is what we're being taught about the, this, the essence of Sfirata Omer in the context of why we don't count it as two different days. You've heard, perhaps, the cliche, fake it till you make it. And I think that that's what this is encouraging us to do is that we might live in a world of doubt and uncertainty. Philosophically speaking, there is no way to prove the existence of God. 
It's also, philosophically speaking, no way to disprove the existence of God. But the question our tradition asks us to consider is, how are you living? Are you living as if there is a God, or are you living as if there is no God? And it turns out that to live as if there is a God is actually a critical method of leading one to believe. That's the fake it till you make it thing. If we live a life of mitzvot, if we live a life of sanctifying time, of sanctifying relationships, of building sacred community, if we live that life, I think the chances are exceptionally good that you will discover God through living that life. But if you live a life that is not devoted to those principles, it's not dedicated to those disciplines and methods of living, chances are good that you will discover how you are living. You will discover that there's no God, that there's nothing worth believing in, that there's no deeper purpose to living. This, I think, is what we're being taught in counting specifically for Spirata Omer, even if we are in doubt about the actual day. The act of counting, the act of bringing ourselves to Torah and binding ourselves to Torah, in itself creates the certainty, even in a world of doubt. So we may not know whether today is Yom Tov or not. But by observing it as Yom Tov, we make sacred time and sacred space and sacred relationships. We may not know if today is the first day of the Omer. But by affirming, regardless of that doubt, that today is the first day of the Omer, we take a step in the direction of Torah and relationship with God, relationship with the Jewish people, relationship with our history, relationship with a life of purpose and meaning. As we count each of these days leading up to Shavuot, it is my prayer that with each subsequent step we take, our footing becomes more secure, our faith becomes stronger, our sense of purpose and conviction becomes sacred and profound.